Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. Praise God forevermore. I bring greetings from my lovely wife. <laughs> I'm kidding, my lovely wife is here. Alright, um, Mark chapter 2. I'm going to be preaching from Mark chapter 2 from verse 1 to 12. I titled this sermon, Rise Up and Walk. Mark chapter 2 from verse 1 to 12 is probably one of the most um, interesting stories, uh, one of the most interesting miracles of Jesus for me. And this particular story has fascinated me for years. So here I am again revisiting this amazing story and drawing lessons from it. Praise God. So we'll just read the whole thing, Mark 12, from verse 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Hallelujah. Okay. So ideally, my sermon notes always tells me that I'll be done in 30 minutes. But to my surprise, I'm not always done in 30 minutes. But um, I'm just telling you again that I'll be done in 30 minutes or so. That's what my note is telling me. And I will try my best. But you may not be surprised that today I'll be done in 30 minutes. But regardless. Um, one of the things that stood out to me was in verse 5 of Mark chapter 2. He said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So we see that Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw the extents they were willing to go for their friend to meet Jesus and to get healed. Jesus saw that these guys were willing to do anything. They were willing to climb up the roof of a house, remove the roofing material, and lower their friend down. Jesus saw their faith. And 
you would think that in that moment where faith was expressed, in that moment where faith was expressed for a miracle, like in the story of the woman with the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, when after um, she got healed, you know, Jesus told her that your faith has made you whole. Right? So you would expect that in that holy moment of strong faith and desire, the faith that will make people bundle another man and carry him up a roof and break the roof, whatever the context is, whether they broke the roof or they removed the roof, they shall did damage to the house. Whatever it is that could make people come from their houses, carry a man, their friend, bring him to Jesus, was great faith. And the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. And you would expect that when Jesus saw their faith, his response will be, your faith has made you old. Or his response will be, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But instead of Jesus to do what we expected him to do and tell the poor guy to rise up, take up his bed and walk, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And for so long, I thought about that scripture, that portion of scripture. That, of course, ultimately, Jesus said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But Jesus' first response to his faith was, son, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, if you read Matthew's account, Matthew said that Jesus said, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Like saying, be of good cheer, don't worry. Your sins are forgiven. As if it was his sin that was the chain that bound him to that mat. As if it was his sin that was the chain that held him down all those years that he was paralyzed. As if that was what he needed to hear exactly at that point in time. The Jews had always believed that not only death, but all diseases was the consequence of sin. Do you know that? So, you know, in our charismatic and, or not just charismatic, actually, all of us that are forming Christocentric, right? We don't like to, um, we like to focus on only the death part that, oh, sin brought death. But the Jews, the ones who received the oracles of God, knew that not only death, but all diseases was a consequence of sin. And you'll be surprised. It will be a surprise to your New Testament mind, to your charismatic, Christocentric, possibly Protestant mind, that this is a common theme in both the New Testament and the Old Testament. Praise God. For example, Psalm 103 verse 3, that says that, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your iniquities. So it's talking about the goodness of God. And it says, I bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your sins? Who heals all your diseases? See, pack them together, right? We see in Psalm 107. Let's read that one. I like it. Psalm 107, verse 17 to 21. Okay. If you are there, say amen. Psalm 107, verse 17 to 21. It says, Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food 
and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. So we see that there's an Old Testament thing, right? You can actually read through. Just Google search. Uh, what can you Google search? Sin and sickness in the Old Testament. And you will see loads of scriptures connecting sin to sickness. Praise God. So we see that this is a common theme in the Old Testament. But surprisingly, it's also a common theme in the New Testament. One of the scriptures we try to explain away is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 27 to 32. So we just read that context. But don't be afraid yet. I'm not saying that you're going to fall sick. Because that's not what I even came to talk about. But I mean, if you are preaching from Mark chapter 2, we'll just Kukuma talk about everything that happened in Mark chapter 2. Praise God. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 to 32. Glory to God. It says, So then, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Remember what their sin was, Abby? If you read it in context, you realize that you know, these guys will come and some people will eat food while others will not get food. Some people will eat so they will get drunk. And Paul was deriding them, saying that you guys are dishonoring the body. Hallelujah. And he said that for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and ill. Remember, just read what he said before. He said you are eating and drinking judgment on yourself. So, it's not a passive thing, right? It is that God is judging you. And also, that, that is why many of you are weak and ill. Relax, 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 relax. Fear not, fear not. Don't worry, you will not die. That is why many of you are weak and ill. And a number of you are falling asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Do you see that? So, in the New Testament, there's also a theme or sickness coming by reason of sin. Let's continue. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Amen? Relax, relax. Don't worry, you'll not fall sick. It's not, my, it's not me to say, but you'll not fall sick. Don't worry, I'll teach you. All right. But did you see that? Did I write it? Did I write that passion? Um, that passage, I didn't write it, but you read it clearly by yourself. With, you know that um, someone once said that it will take um, it, it takes a teacher to distort the truth of God's word in your eyes. That means that if, as you mean, I'm not um, discountenancing the place of teachers because obviously it's a teacher that taught us many of the things we know. But I'm saying that if a person who is sincere just opens their Bible, just sincere, like a normal sincere person, and you just read this normally like that, you will see what it is saying. And, of course, you will not be afraid of it because there's also a broader context to all of these things I'm about to share with you. Amen? The funny thing is that a bulk of what I'm teaching today is about sickness. But that's not what I was talking about. Because <laughs> this miracle for me 
It's also an allegory to something else I'd like to point to you. But let's make progress. Amen. Okay. So we see here that judgment, according to Paul, could come upon people because they did not discern the Lord's body. And of course, in the context, we know what they were doing wrong. Right? And that's why it makes a lot of sense that in, in the churches of our parents, when they will say you, you should eat Holy Communion, they will say, pray, tell God to forgive you of all your sins. And um, sometimes they will ask you plenty of times, are you sure? Are you sure? Even in Pentecostal churches of our own fathers, not our Pentecostalism now, then, right? They will ask you, are you sure? The church of my parents, they will ask you, are you sure? <laughs> right? And then, of course, you will eat. So, I'm just pointing that out as a theme in the New Testament. Another example we see is James chapter 5, verse 15. Fun fact. In the Yoruba Bible, the book of James is known as Iwe Jacob. All right. James chapter 5, verse 15. The Bible says, Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be what? Forgiven. So, again, James is showing us the possibility of how that a, man, a man's sin could have made him ill. And so, call the member, elders of the church, let them pray for him, anoint him with oil. If he has committed sins, the Lord will forgive him. Amen. The way you people are looking at me, you are looking at me as if I am saying that you will fall sick tomorrow. All of you are bloody sinners, just like me. But let's continue. Amen. All right. So the Jews believed that not only death, but all diseases was a consequence of sin. And they were right. I can't believe I'm doing this. But St. Augustine said in his book, <laughs> The City of God, <laughs> there is no death without sin, nor is any chastisement without iniquity. And therefore, listen, no chastisement which has not been deserved. It says that if any death comes, if any chastisement comes, it says you deserve it because you are a sinner. Amen. So you were saying that every death, every chastisement is deserved because of sin. But we must also understand that there are, there are two um, causes of sickness by reason of sin. There's the remote cause of sin, cause of sickness, and there is the immediate cause of sickness, as we've seen in some of the scriptures we read, right? For example, not discerning the lost body. The Bible says that you will be sick. Or you, you, like if God decides to judge you in that regard, you will fall sick and die. Praise, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> He's there now, Abby. You guys are looking very, very scared. Like, ha, oh my God. This is what I'm going to teach you now. It's going to give you a lot of hope and confidence in, the, um, in what we have in Christ. Because look at what Jesus said to that man. Before he even said, rise up, take off your bed and walk, he said, son, relax. Your sins are forgiven. This guy came face to face with God. And God told him, guy, relax. Your sins are forgiven. 
that thing that held him to that bed, the chain that held him to that bed, was released in an instance when his master said to him, Calm down, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And then the next time he said, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. There was nothing that was going to stop that guy from rising up. There was nothing like unbelief. There was nothing like sin. There was nothing like death. There was nothing that would have stopped him in that moment. Because whatever it was that was holding him down, Jesus addressed it first. Said, son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. You've allowed me to go to where the punchline is. Because you are looking scared. All right. So we must understand that there are both remote and immediate causes of sickness in this world. As Jesus said in John chapter 9, um, when people confronted him about the man who was born blind and asked him, who sinned? So the Jews are still coming with the same mindset, which we should also have. Who sinned? His parents or him? Was it him or was it his parents? But Jesus said, neither him nor his parents sinned. So he shows you that it was not his sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be blind. So that means that sin, his own sin, was not the immediate cause of his problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that means that sin definitely, according to the writers of the scriptures, according to Augustine, sin is the cause of sickness. But sin being the cause of sickness can both be remote or immediate cause of sickness. So what we see here is that Jesus is saying that his own sin is not the immediate cause of his sickness. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says that by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death passed upon all men, because all men have what? Have sinned. Do you see that? The corruption in this world passed upon all men because of what? Sin. Is it because of the sin of the man himself? of people themselves. So in that context, it is because of the sin of the first man, right? The disobedience of the first man, the rejection of God by the first man that brought corruption into the world, right? And that corruption passed upon all men because all men have what? Have sinned. Is that clear? So in a remote sense, sin is still the cause of sicknesses and diseases, right? We see that, of course, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 21. Um, let me just read that. Treasure of my heart and of my soul. In my weakness, you are merciful. Verse 18 to 21. The Bible says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So there's a present suffering, right? That was caused by what? Sin. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So the creation is in bondage to decay. Hallelujah. All of creation. Um, if you did science, you'd have heard of entropy, right? Um, entropy is degree of, um, what's the word now? Disorder, right? And nature is constantly in increasing degree 
of entropy. Of course, there are other contexts. I mean, entropy can be increased by temperature and all those things, but that's what I'm talking about. But you get what I'm talking about, Abby? That um, there is constant decay. Creation is in bondage of decay, is in bondage of corruption. And that decay does not exclude you. Do you understand that? Anybody can be sick. Chairs will break or wear out eventually. This thing, one day the screw will lost. And one day, because of wear and tear, some, some, something, we have to change it again. Or buy the everyone that will make our church completely reformed, finally. <sighs> Share match. All right. Whew, sorry. Do not expense it. Was it testing in summer? Okay. So, like I said, Augustine was right. You know, when he said that, therefore, no chastisement which has not been deserved. And that's why Jesus said to that man, cheer up, your sins are forgiven. Because chances are that, and, you know, when you read that scripture, you think that Jesus said that thing to that man because of the Pharisees. I don't know if you've read that scripture. You will think that Jesus said it to spite the Pharisees, to show them that he is God. One of the reasons, yes, of course. But if you read it, the Bible said that Jesus saw their faith. He saw these guys. He saw their faith. And he responded and he said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Why was he talking to that guy? Because in that guy's mind, the reason why he's suffering like that was his sins. Jesus needed to first address the chain that was in his mind. The chain that was in his heart before he even addressed his body. Why did Jesus have to do that? Because the Bible tells us that if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we will receive. And so this man, who, of course, must have recognized that he's a sinner, and that his sin is probably what is holding him down, on that bed, Jesus addressed him first and said, Cheer up, your sins are forgiven. That was exactly what he needed to hear before Jesus was going to tell him, Rise up, take up your bed and walk. Because by the time Jesus says, Rise up, take up your bed and walk, there was nothing that was going to stop that man from rising up, taking up his bed and walk. The Almighty God already told him, Your sins are forgiven. Amen. That scripture I quoted, let me read it. First John chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. Okay, so first John chapter 3, verse um, 21 to 22. It says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So it says that if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Do you know, if you look at this scripture, if you really think about it, do you know that when Jesus said to that man, rise up, take up your bed and walk, not because Jesus is not almighty and that man would not have stood up, but do you know, as I've been asked for that man to stand up, everything in his mind will still believe that I'm still crippled. Even if his leg was, received strength in that moment, it may take a while for him to just stand up and say, oh, oh, I can actually walk. 
because his sin was holding him down there, there was another voice speaking to him. I have an example. I don't know if it's appropriate. I know someone, right, years ago, she was rushed to the hospital because she had, an, she had this traumatic experience and that affected her mind, so we took her to the hospital. And I went to visit her. And I remember that I was there, my siblings were there, a few people, all of us had packed ourselves there. And randomly she said, I can't walk, she was on the bed. So we noticed that um, she had not bathed and stuff. So we said, oh, okay, oh yeah, go to the bathroom. But she said, I can't walk. Why can't you walk? She said, they said I cannot walk. Who said you cannot walk? I cannot walk. So we spoke to one of the nurses and said, please, what happened to her? Why can't she walk? She said, ah, she can walk. So she needed someone else to tell her, to convince her that, auntie, you can walk. You can walk. And it took some time, right, before she eventually stood up and then someone followed us to the bathroom and then she got cleaned up. Now, this is the point I'm trying to make. In her mind, something else had convinced her you cannot walk. If she was going to stand up that day to get cleaned up, to, you know, live better, right? She needed a stronger voice that would convince her that you can actually walk. Do you get what I'm saying? In the same vein, for that guy on that bed, everything in his head, everything around him, his culture, the Jewish culture, like we said already, teaches you that you are sick because of your sins. Sammy taught us about the book of Job, right? His friends were asking him, Oh God, what did you do? What did you do? Because that's what the culture is. And it is true. It is scripture. It's actually scripture, right? And so this guy needed a voice louder than culture, a voice louder than his environment, a voice louder than everything around him to tell him that be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Because it was only after he heard that his sins are forgiven that he could rise up, take off his bed, and walk. He needed to hear the voice of his Savior telling him, your sins are forgiven. There are two lessons I want to draw from this scripture. There's lots to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Because I think if they ask me about the miracles of Jesus, this would be one of the one. This is one that we will um, quickly um, talk about, or just people about that. Oh, the miracles that Jesus did. Tell us about them. I'll quickly tell you. Ah, <laughs> Jesus healed one man, but Jesus did not first do the thing that he used to do before normally. That will say, "Oh yeah, stand up," or something, or "Go." Your faith has made you whole. Said your sins are forgiven. I don't know why that. It does something to me. The first lesson is that sin is a big deal. And of course, the death and sickness that, that um, came with it. Therefore, no chastisement which has not been deserved, right? We deserve every chastisement, every death that comes. And so when the Lord heals us, knowing fully well, right, that sickness is from what? Sin. Abi? And that means that we deserve it. Just as we deserve sin, 
um, the judgment for sin, right? Everything that comes by reason of sin, we deserve it. Because from what we can see, from the theology of the Jews to, I mean, of course, that's the entire theology from Old Testament to the New Testament, is that sickness is as a result of sin. So if we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, we all actually deserve to be sick. We all actually deserve the corruption that is upon us, right? Because all of us like this will die. I hope you know. You know, um, I heard something recently that um, at old age, what ultimately kills people is something that failed in their body. Maybe last as liver failed or kidney failed or heart, something, something. You know, something fails, right? That's the bondage of corruption. That is the decay that we've been subject to. So either in the long run, you can, you can boast and say, I have never used a drug in my life. You can, you can do that. But one thing you can know for sure is that you will die. One day, that's why the fact that you've never used a drug in your life, your heart may fail, or your liver may fail, or your kidney may fail, something will fail, you deserve it. Amen? And so when the Lord heals us, you will now understand why David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who delivers your soul from destruction? Who, it says that he, he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It has to be the Lord stepping in for your healing, for the forgiveness of your sins, for the renewal of your youth like the eagles. It has to be the Lord because you deserve every crazy thing that is coming at you. So the forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our diseases is by the mercies and goodness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our diseases is by the mercies and goodness of God. It is by the voice of the Savior saying, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Now let me heal you. Truly, the Lord healed diseases and sicknesses through the hands of the apostles. Yet, they did not seem to feel entitled to it like we do. Rather, they recognized the need, number one, to pray for it. James 5.15, that we read, says, Is there anyone who is sick among you? Ha! Call for the elders of the church. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That means that his sins could hinder his healing. So they don't feel entitled to it. Another example I love is Philippians chapter 2. Let's read that one. I told you I would be done in 30 minutes. I think I will also, also be done. <laughs> okay, I may not be done. Sorry. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 to 27. It says, but I think it is necessary to, back, to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Did you see that? They did not feel entitled to healing. It was not necessarily, um, oh, 
I'm in Christ. I'm healed. Bro, you're a bloody sinner. Under normal circumstances, you will perish. If you don't get, if you don't get sick now, it is this that still sickness that will kill you. Do you get? You still have to die of it somehow. Do you get? So they didn't feel entitled to it. They said, Paul said, God had mercy on Epaphroditus. And not only on Epaphroditus, God had mercy on me too, so that I won't sorrow upon sorrow. They recognized it was the mercy of God. And so, when a believer falls sick, what's his disposition? The mercy of God. The mercy of God. It is the mercy of God that makes you get healed. This is regardless of my tone. If I say, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, and I say, Father Lord, I pray that you please heal him. Anyone, the reason why you got healed is because God is good. Do you understand that? The reason why that guy got healed is because the Savior told him, your sins are forgiven. In fact, do you know that there was another story of another guy that got healed? And Jesus told him, don't go and be committing sin again, no. Or your worst thing is going to come up on you. Please don't get, it, don't get it twisted, right? I've told you two ways that sin causes sickness. I've told you that there's a remote cause, which is the entire creation being subject to corruption by reason of sin. But also immediate cause. For example, we saw the example of 1 Corinthians 11, people not discerning the Lord's body. We saw an um, example of James chapter 5, when he said, that let the elders pray for him. And if he has committed sins, the Lord will forgive him. Amen. So sin is a big deal. That's the first lesson. Sin is a big deal. And of course, the sicknesses and the death that comes with it is a big deal. So that when the Lord heals you, when the Lord heals you, you won't say, oh, we went for evangelism and we got 10 people healed. True. Well, bless the Lord of my soul. <laughs> and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That guy that got healed should lift up his hands and say, bless the Lord of my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Because Augustine said, no chastisement which has not been deserved. You deserve it. But bless the Lord on my soul. And don't let this be, uh, you know, because um, I'm always concerned that people are not hearing what I'm saying. Don't let this be a thing of, ha, ah, maybe it's my sin. There's answer. The Bible says that if you are sick, pray. Ask for mercy. Pray. Because it is by the mercy of God that Epaphroditus did not die. He's not dead now. But you get, you get the point, right? The second lesson I want you to learn is that the forgiveness of our sins is what truly frees us to walk in all of God's plans and purposes for our lives. I feel like reiterating what I said in the first part. I'm sorry. So you can hold that thought. So again, let me just say this again and end it for that first part. That when the Lord heals us, it's not because we feel entitled to being healed. Ideally, the corruption in this world should hold us, should hold us bound. And so sickness upon sickness will just be coming. Not because the Lord is striking us. That's why I said there's a remote cause, right? Even if the Lord is not chastising anybody, because according 
So what we saw in First Corinthians 11, the Lord judges people. Wait, do you get? But let's read that one. Even if the Lord is not judging you, right? As in the Lord just says, ah, I will not judge you with sickness. God forbid you will not be sick. Even if the Lord is not doing that, the sin of Adam is doing it. The corruption in this world, right? The bondage of corruption, the bondage of decay is doing it already. So randomly, mosquito will bite you. You will have fever. You have malaria. And you fall sick. I mean, anything can happen to you. Do you get? So I'm not saying that, you know, God is out there looking for your sins so that he can strike you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you are sick, it's not because you shouldn't feel entitled that, ah, ah, why will I be sick? Baba, you're a sinner. And according to what the Jews have taught us in the Old Testament, and even also the New Testament, because the apostles are also Jews, right? And they were saying the same things too. They're saying the same things too. That sin causes people to be sick. So, you should know that it is the goodness of God that is extended towards you in healing. Amen? So, I've seen that the second lesson I want us to learn is that, this, is that the forgiveness of our sins is what truly frees us to walk in all of God's plans and purposes for our lives. Just as a paralyzed man heard the voice of his Savior say to him, your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. We also need to constantly attune our ears to his word and remind ourselves also that our sins are forgiven. It is the consciousness of sin, I dare say, that it is the consciousness of his sin that would have still held him to that bed, even if he had met Jesus and just said, stand up. Right? Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying just not almighty. I'm just saying, I'm just assuming from that context, from that scripture we read, right, that the consciousness of his sin needed to be addressed so that he can receive from God. Do you get the consciousness of sin needs to be addressed so that it would receive from God. And so, in the same vein also, you also need to attune your ears to what Christ did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection so that you too, you will rise up and you will walk in all that God has called you to. The reason why you are pulling back, perhaps, is because you are so conscious of how imperfect you are how insufficient you are. And your Savior is telling you, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. You must attune your ears to it. You must pay attention to it. Already, you've heard already now. I've been that sink all this sickness. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Now, this is the real thing I want to tell you about. That you must have this consciousness that your sins are forgiven. So that when the Lord outstretches his hand, you will be willing to receive. Just like the man on that mat. Don't be so aware, so conscious of how bad you are, how terrible of a person you are. Your Savior is telling you today, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. Now I'll tell you why I'm saying this. But let me quickly do small clearing. clearing. Two things you need to constantly attune your ears to with regards to the forgiveness of your sin. Number one is that in a larger context of human depravity and sinfulness, we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So in the larger context of 
you know, everybody is a sinner, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, nobody is worthy to appear before the presence of God, and all of that. In that larger context, our sins are forgiven. It's not even that our sins will be forgiven. It is forgiven. It is forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says that, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have the forgiveness of sins, right? The Bible says that we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We have access. Why? Because we have been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says that we have been accepted in the beloved. Right? These are things you need to attune your mind to, attune your consciousness to. Let the word of your Savior ring in your mind constantly. In him, you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So that when he says you should rise up, take up your bed and walk, nothing is holding you down. You will stand up. You will take up your bed. You will walk. Because your sins are forgiven. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, I love this one. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you see what I'm saying when I mean by a larger context of human depravity and sinfulness. Right? He has delivered us from it. He has brought us out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, says that he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you are the righteousness of God in him. These are things you need to remember. Why? Because the Lord will call you either specifically or in the general terms, to walk in his will and purpose and plans for your life. But many times there's a contrary voice of condemnation, a contrary voice that tells you that you are not good enough, a, con a constant chain that holds you back to your bed, that holds you back to that mat. You must constantly hear the voice of your Savior saying, take out, your sins are forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, my past is dirty. I've done stupid things in the past. Take heart. Your sins are what? Forgiven. Baba, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. The second context that I want you to be aware of, the second way I want you to attune your ears, is that in our immediate day-to-day -day realities, you know, the sins we commit, knowingly or unknowingly, you know, of course, they are mostly knowing, actually. We can be sure that God is faithful to forgive. You are, ah, uh ah. -uh. And my sins not forgiven before. That's why I say you should pay attention. In the first part, I said, in the larger context of human depravity, in the larger context of um, sinfulness of humanity, we have been forgiven. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. You've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Do you understand that? You have been forgiven. Relax, relax. Now, in our immediate, you know, day-to-day -day context of, you know, you sin, you say something stupid, you hurt your friend, you do something bad, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, it says that, let's read it, there's something beautiful there. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful. You need to understand the weight of that word faithful. 
I'm coming. He says he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us. I know my sins are forgiven. He will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. He says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us. Do you know why he will forgive us? It's actually because he has forgiven us. I'll tell you. He says that he is faithful. When I taught you about the character of God, the Bible says that the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, um, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in tender love and mercy and something like that. Now says that um, faithfulness. Shall I mention all of those things? The word faithfulness there, right? Hebrew word is emet. And that word emet speaks of reliability, consistency. When they say that God is faithful, we are saying that he is consistent. He is consistent. Like, literally, if I commit sins and I say, God, I am sorry, he will forgive. Consistent. That thing, that thing, we have it in Christ. Where consistently, I will do something stupid and I say, Lord, I am sorry, I just messed up. Please forgive me. And you are forgiven instantly. He is faithful to forgive. So you, are, you may ask, um, so what if I commit a sin knowingly and I don't ask for forgiveness? Will I go to hell? The apostles did not ask such silly questions. Amen? My own is that your, your sins are forgiven. Your citizenship is in heaven. From whom you eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if, I used to use this illustration, if, um, this guy is my father, right? And he says, Cher, there's nothing you can do to, that will make me, that will, that will make you stop being my son, right? Do you know that in him I have forgiveness? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing you can do that will make you stop being my son. In him I have forgiveness. Does that mean that because now there's nothing you can do, I'm going to slap him. I'll start stepping on his, on his toes. I'll just be passing on yeah. Daddy, do you get? But what God is now saying is that despite the fact that he has told me, right, there are times when I may be very silly. I'm going to step on his toes. He says that when I do that and I say, Daddy, I'm really sorry. He says he's faithful. Sharp, sharp. He has forgiven you. So do you get? Now, God's word to you today is that God wants you to be attuned to that reality that you are forever his son. And that even all those small, small, stupid things that we do, he is faithful to forgive. He lets go. God wants you to know. Because when your mind is attuned to this reality, you are free to walk in all that God has called you to. Like that man. If your ears constantly hear that my sins are forgiven, when he says, rise up, take up your bed and walk, nothing will stop you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Again, don't go and be asking questions that Jump did not ask the apostles. Your sins are forgiven and the Lord is faithful to forgive your sins. Simple. And it's not even hard. It's not even a paradox. So you know. Look at the illustration I just gave. I am always his son. My sins are forgiven. Do you get? I'm always his son. I've been reconciled to him. I'm always his son. But there are times when I mess up. There are times when I break plates in the house. He is faithful to forgive. Do you get now? Does it make sense? So my sins are forgiven. And my sins will be forgiven. Because he is what? 
faithful to forgive. So, the reason why you need to have this information in your mind and hold it tight and firmly in your mind is because there will be times in your life when the Lord will inspire you and say, oh, you know, because, okay, I have to just summarize this. Because, you know, what, what we learned about purpose from Pastor Sam, two things we learned, right? We learned that, for example, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 28, our purpose is to steward creation. God said, let's create man in our image and after our likeness and let them do what have dominion over creation, Right? That's paraphrasing, okay? So, our first purpose as men in the image of God is to what? Steward creation. Secondly, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. It says that if any man be in Christ, the new creature, all things are passed away, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has what? Reconciled us to himself and has given unto us what? The word of reconciliation. To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word, the ministry now of reconciliation. So, what you have, number one, is to steward creation and to what? Reconcile men. I'll be great now. That is the general one. But specific to you, there will be things that the Lord will tell you that are subsets of these two things, to steward creation and to reconcile men, right? There are things that the Lord will say to you. Sometimes the Lord will say to you that ah, this business you are doing is time for you to do whatever expansion you need to do so that you can empower your brothers and sisters so that they will be able to also live peaceful lives and sufficiency in their families and all of that. And you are saying, ah, I'm not good enough. Or, you know, I want you to gather young children. I want you to teach in the school and, and be an example to those children and raise them in the way of the Lord. And you say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. It is because you are constantly telling yourself that you are a sinner. You are constantly telling yourself that you are not good enough, that you will not walk in all that God has called you to. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think or do anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God who has made us able ministers of the New Testament. So if the Lord is telling you to do something, if the Lord is putting a vision in your mind within the subsets of stewarding creation, stewarding society and, and civilization and reconciling men to himself, if the Lord is putting those things in your mind, brother and sister, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Amen? You are worthy, not because you made yourself worthy, not because you are a good person like that. You are worthy because the Son of God said your sins are forgiven. If the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. If the Son of God says your sins are forgiven, Baba, you are forgiven. So when that same son of God tells you that it's time to do my work, the last excuse you should be given is, I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough. Baba, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. The excellency of this power is not of you. It is of God. Amen? It's not of you. It is of God. You know, it may not sound like purpose. The Lord is telling you that you need to start putting out more content on your social media, right? So you can be a blessing to people. More Christian content to so be a blessing to people. So you can cancel out all the nonsense we are seeing. But instead of you to put out the content, you are thinking of how that, ha, ah, yesterday, ah, you know what I did yesterday is bad. So instead of you to be shooting that video or to be writing that scripts or whatever in your mind, that, ah, that thing I did is bad, though. Nobody will hear me. Baba, the excellency of the power is not of you. It is of God. Baba, rise up. Take up your bed and do what? And walk. Because the Son of Man has said to you, your sins are forgiven.
Amen. It is in this same consciousness too that we will pray to God for saying our healing. Where I started from. Right? Because the Son of Man has said, You are forgiven. So pray to Him to heal you. James said this too. He said, If you are sick, don't be doing, Ah, I'm a bad person. You are, not a, you are a bad person, true, true. But the Son of Man says you should come. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm saying this to you because I know how it feels like when you are constantly reminded of how bad of a person you are, how depraved you are. I know. I know. But the Son of Man says, your sins are forgiven. Baba, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Ah. I was about to shade somebody. Well, let me, let me, I'll drop the shade. I'll change the words. You are here. You are saying, ah, what happened in Taraba? Stays in Taraba. The son of man says, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. What's going on in this church? All of you are laughing. You are bad people. Ah, we know. Is it? But, but do you understand? Do you understand? You've, you've thought about yourself. Oh, um, when I was dating XYZ, we always didn't make way every day. Is it now me that the Lord wants to use? Yes. It's you. Remember that woman? They called. Do you know they didn't even say her name? They said a sinner came to Jesus, broke an alabaster box, and washed his feet with the perfume. We don't even know her name. All of us assume that her name is Mary Magdalene, but it's a lie. It's not Mary Magdalene. Stop lying against the poor woman. She was not the one. The Bible did not tell us who it was. But this woman, they called her sinner. That was the name that was given to her. Sinner. But Jesus said concerning her, while others were saying, oh, this thing, we should have sold it and give the money to the poor. Jesus said, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. She has heard the voice of her Savior say, son, your sins are forgiven. Have you been blessed? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.